So in this world that constantly changes, Jesus says, you have got to anchor yourself to the constancy of God's Word. Why? For it is God's Word, not the world, that guides you into truth. The world will not guide you into truth. Daytime pop psychology will not guide you into truth. I don't care what Dr. Phil says. I don't care what Oprah says. I don't care what the Christian self-help books that are shrouded in worldly pop psychology says. They will not guide you into truth. The only thing that will guide you into truth is if you remain and abide in God's Word because God's Word is truth. And the truth of God's Word is going to direct you and point you to Jesus, to the Son who can set you free. Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank Senior Pastor Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary. You have your Bibles, John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Of course, today is uh, July 4th. You can tell that. A lot of red, a lot of flags going on this, this morning because when you come to July 4th as Americans, uh, we just intuitively think of our freedoms. It, it's just it's, it's who we are today. If I did the math correct, I believe it's 245 years since the words we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and that word liberty of course is pointing to the freedom that we have and having been born in america we are blessed with a tremendous amount of freedoms that many people around the world do not have. And so when you go then and and you ask, I think specifically in America, in our context of our culture, what do you think of when when you think of, of freedom? I think two answers typically are going to be given. Answer number one is going to point back to the introduction to the Declaration of Independence, that um, I'm free to be able to live my life absent governmental regulation. That's kind of one, that government can't come and and dictate to me, kind of American freedom and democracy as compared to communism and, and other forms of totalitarian regimes where the government does indeed tell the people who and how to live. I remember you know, having lived in, in Russia for a time, and I thought, you know, surely those stories aren't, aren't true. And, and our, our language teacher would tell us stories of, yes, they would come and tell you where to live and, and where to go and, and, and what to do. And, and as an American, even in Moscow, in their culture, you just shake your head going, well, that's not American. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not in America. Um, but, but it's really not. But that does exist. So people are going to say freedom means that. The second definition, which I think now is, is much more evident, is personal. 
And it is the freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want, absent any type of consequences for what you did. And I think you read, and, and, and not just today, let's, let's be honest, that has been a historical uh, definition of freedom. You, I mean, history is full of people doing what they want, when they want. But I think today, with the news cycles and everything, you see that, to me, it seems like it is exponentially larger, although we know from Ecclesiastes, nothing is new underneath the sun. It feels like it's new underneath the sun because everything today is, well, I want to do it my way when I want to, and I don't really care how it impacts anybody else as long as I can do it. And to them, that is freedom. That is freedom. Well, is that what freedom really is? I, I mean, is, is that all freedom is, to either be able to do anything and everything that I want or be absent of governmental regulation? Because if that, that's it, I, I find problems with both of them. One, it, it tells me that I'm living my life subject to a government that can or cannot at any moment tell me what to do. Or number two, that it's just all about me and I'm on a never-ending pursuit for pleasure because we've all been there. If I get the latest, greatest next thing, I'm going to be all right, but then I'm, I'm not. So both of them fall flat. What if there is a greater freedom that we were created to have that is neither political nor personal? Well, coming to John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38, Jesus tells us what true freedom is. He points to a freedom that transcends any freedom that can be given or taken away on this earth. Beginning in verse 31, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word find no, finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. So this, this morning, I want you to notice some things that Jesus says about freedom. And the first is this. Jesus comes and offers a greater freedom. He offers a greater freedom. He says, the Son sets you free. You are free indeed. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, when you read those words, we read them on the 245th anniversary of the founding of America. And we think that we understand freedom. We have lived in America our entire lives. We know what freedom is. But when you go back and you look at history, what you will see as you study the history of the world, the word freedom is probably not the best descriptor. And here Jesus is saying, you can be free, you can be free indeed to a bunch of people who for all of their lives have basically not known freedom, but have known subjugation. See, the history of the world, whether we like it or not, 
All right, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. The history of the world, whether you like it or not, is a story of conquest and subjugation of those you conquer. Most of the history of the world, most of the peoples in the world, have lived in that context. 2,000 years ago, the Israelites were living in that context. They were under Roman authority. They were not free. And here Jesus is saying, hey, you can be free. The Pharisees and the Jews and everybody else that heard them immediately went to, great, we don't like the Romans anyway. We want to get rid of them so that we can be free. Maybe some in the crowd heard economic freedom. Right? Because you had a class throughout history that, that struggle to get by and they want economic freedom. And again, I don't, I don't really want to get off on tangents and don't want to argue too much. I think it is a true statement that life is a little bit easier when you have more money. I, I think that's just generally true. But there's been people, there are people listening to Jesus that didn't have that. Like, oh, I can, can be freed now to go out and buy what I want. And, okay, they, they, they heard that. Some of them probably thought, okay, I can be free to however they wanted to define freedom. But that wasn't what Jesus was talking about. He says, I've come to offer you a greater freedom. And that greater freedom is spiritual freedom. It's a freedom that everybody needs throughout the history of the world. It is what we need. However, it is a freedom that is sadly often overlooked because we don't want to think about it. We talked about it in Sunday school class this morning. I will reference Sunday school class again. We don't think about our spiritual freedom. We don't think about what it means. We think we don't want to be in bondage politically or economical or, or anything like that. We want freedom in those areas. But what we really need is to be free indeed from Slavery, from the sin of slavery. Or the slavery of sin, excuse me, I got that backwards. Because he says, look, all of you who practice sin. Now, who is everyone? Right? I, I could give you all the Greek, and you could go, and you could do all kinds of neat studies and find out that everyone means everyone. It means me. It means you. Every one of us is a, is a slave to sin. And in Sunday school this morning, talking about sins, uh, Debbie made a great point, says, we have a hierarchy of sins. And I love the way she put it. Now, I hadn't heard it put this way. Your sin is really bad. Mine's not too bad. I thought, you know, that's, that's pretty insightful. Because we kind of live with that mentality. My sin is okay, yours is not. But we're a slave to sin. Every last one of us, every one of us, we are in bondage to some sort of sin. I'm not going to ask you what sin you're in bondage to. Because the Holy Spirit has already told you. <laughs> and no amount of political, economical, or personal freedom is going to take you out of that bondage. Nothing. There's no way that you can. And Jesus says, look, you're a slave to sin. And notice he doesn't even list the sins, right? He doesn't even, I find that interesting, he doesn't even to, to start breaking them down because, again, we know the Holy Spirit's already told us which one it is you're in bondage to. Right? It's July 4th. Right? 
Some of us today, this afternoon, if we really want to think about it, might be in bondage to gluttony as we go get one more hamburger off the grill. Right? My mom usually makes sliders, which means I can have four, not really think that I just ate three hamburgers, you know? Jesus doesn't listen. He says, you need to be free from that. And he says, look, you're not going to do it. You're, you're a slave to that. You're not free in the, in the house. But I'm the son, and as the son, as the one who owns the kingdom, as the one who owns the house, I can come to you now and say, you are free from your sin. Jesus says, I can set you free from that. Because here's the thing. If we are set free spiritually from our sins and we are removed from that bondage then while we may not like it it doesn't matter what is happening in the political realm the economic realm or any other worldly realm because the freedom we ultimately need is not found in those that's spiritual and we are still free regardless if over here the government says you're no longer free Have you ever wondered why our brothers and sisters in Christ and places where they are persecuted continue to worship? When the government says you can't do it? Because they're spiritually free. They've been freed from their sins, from their bondage. And what they want to do is they want to express worship to God for setting them free, even though the leader over here says, you're not free. Jesus Christ over here says, I don't care what you say about the government. I said that they're free from their sins. They're free indeed. And they are. And they live like it, even in a governmental system where it doesn't look like they are free. That is free. That is freedom. And when you go through the pages of the New Testament, what you find is Jesus setting people free from their sins. The woman, on, the woman at the well. He doesn't fix her reputation in town, does he? He sets her free from her sins. The woman called in adultery. Jesus doesn't fix the whole situation that happened, what's he do? He sets her free from her sins. The thief dying on the cross. Jesus sets free from what? His sins. Jesus goes through the New Testament and he sets them free each and every time from their sins. You want to be set free from the sin that enslaves you this morning, you need to look to Jesus. For He is the only one that can set you free. And He says to us, I'm offering you a greater freedom, a spiritual freedom that the world cannot take away. At the same time, as, as we go through this passage, we see that Jesus warns about some obstacles of sin, or excuse me, warns of obstacles to freedom. I know it's hard to think, but some people don't want to be free. Right? Some, some people, just, just they, they don't want to. And as you go through these verses with the Pharisees, you see that. So here's some groups of people. I, I think I list them as groups instead of 
that, that, that don't want to be free, right? First, you got the ignorant. Now remember, we use ignorant today as an insult. And ignorant just means you don't know what you don't know, okay? There are so many things that I am ignorant about, I, just, I, I, don't, I don't know. You do not want me performing any medical surgery on you. I don't know. I'm ignorant. It's all right. Some people are ignorant of this freedom. Some people just, they, they haven't heard. All right? The woman at the well is a good example. She just, she hadn't heard about Jesus yet. She, she had some understanding, right? Because she asked some good questions. Hey, there's coming a time when we won't worship in a place. You know, what's going on here? There's, there's one to come. She is just ignorant of the fact that Jesus is there. There are some people who are just ignorant of the gospel that will set them free. They, they just don't know. So what do we do? we we, we got to go tell them. She didn't know that freedom was available until Jesus said, freedom is available. If you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water and I would give it to you and you would never thirst no more. What does she say? Give me this water. She was ignorant. Jesus told her about the freedom. She says, I want it. So there's, there's the ignorant. There's the reluctant. All right, the reluctant. If you look in verse 30 and verse 31, there's a small, subtle change. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. That, that preposition, in, is, that's a big preposition. Because you have a group of people that they're hearing the truth, it's piqued their curiosity, but they're just they're reluctant to take the next step. They've heard of him, but they're not in him. Right? You know those people? You, you, you talk to people about the gospel, you talk to them about God, and, and it's, it's not that they're hostile. Okay, We're not talking about them. When they're not hostile, they're just reluctant. Oh, Jesus, he sounds nice. Okay, well, let's move from knowing about him and him sounding nice to let's move over here to being in him and being Lord. How, how, can, can we make this? Uh, maybe tomorrow. Right? How many of y'all remember the little round tuits? Y'all remember those? Right? I mean, I'll get around to it. And so somebody, because what, what, what are we besides marketing? Right? There's little round coins that said, round to it. Here, here's your round to it. I don't know if anybody ever got saved that way or not. It would be interesting to, to ask that question in heaven. But that was the reluctant group. Right? They're reluctant. Here's the prideful. Right? Pharisees. They're, they're, they're the prideful ones in, in, in this conversation. Verse 33, they say, we've never been enslaved to anybody. Really? Um, you've got a Roman governor sitting right back over there. Babylon took you into slavery. Uh, Syria took you into slavery. First of all, you're just factually wrong. <laughs> Secondly, you are now, and they're saying, look, hey, we're sons of Abraham. Right? Look, look, look at who we are. These, these are the people who don't need Jesus because of who they are. Right? I'm strong enough. I have the ability. I, I give enough. You know, I, I can do whatever. You, you know, I, 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 look, it, it, it's me. Rich, rich young ruler may fall in this category. Look at everything that I've done. Because right? that's what he says. Right? Remember his initial statement to Jesus. I have kept all the commandments since my birth. <laughs> That's a pretty astounding statement. It's also interesting Jesus didn't really argue. 
He goes, well, look at me. Look at everything that I've done. There's prideful people going, I don't need Jesus. Look at me. There's the religious. Again, the Pharisees can be used as an example. They knew all the commands of God, but did not. Remember that question Nicodemus is asked by Jesus? How are you, a teacher of the law, asking me these things? How do you not know this? Nicodemus looked religious. Pharisees looked religious. You can go to many churches today and see a lot of people who look religious. And not only in the churches, it, it, it's expanded to, to society. Well, I, I don't believe in Christ, but I am religious. What does that mean? What it really means is I have no coherent governing thought that grounds me, <laughs> I, I, I think. You know, when I'm in nature, I feel religious. And, and they, 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 they substitute salvation through using the word religious. But there are those people who think, well, I've already got it figured out. Cloaked in their religiosity, they can't can't see the truth. I don't know if this is a category, but it sure seems like it today. I put celebrated on there. This is the day and age where sins are celebrated. You don't need to be saved from your sin. Your sin isn't what's keeping you in bondage. Your sin is what's setting you free which I find really interesting because usually it's that sin that just slowly keeps tightening the manacles on them until they can't get out of it and, and their life is in shambles. But that's okay. You, you keep doing that. I mean, it's so easy to see, see the examples. But they're going to remain in bondage. I'm going to add one that wasn't up there that I heard in Sunday school, Denial. Right? And I guess maybe in, in the category of denial, you can put agnostics in there. You can put atheists in there, which I always think is funny because to be an atheist, you have to admit to theism. You ever thought about that? Because <laughs> theism, theist is in atheist. Anyway, those who just, they, they just, they just want to deny it. They don't want to believe. And boy, one of the things we can do as a people is lie to ourselves really, really well, can't we? I mean, we can see the truth, we can know the truth, and we can tell ourselves that's not the truth. And you meet a lot of people like that who are in denial. Again, the Pharisees, the Jews, the scribes of the Jesus day, they were in denial. I can, I can see it. I can hear your teaching. I saw you make the person who couldn't walk, walk. I saw you turn the water into wine. I've seen you feed 5,000 people with just a couple scraps. I've seen you do all of this, but I deny that you are who you say you are. And when you get down to it, the common theme is they all want to be kept in their their sin. They're happy to be in bondage. Or at least they will tell you that they're happy to be in bondage. So Jesus comes and says, look, I'm coming to offer you a greater freedom, a spiritual freedom. Beware of the obstacles that will keep you from receiving the freedom that I've offered. Because again, look what he says. He says, if the Son sets you free, that's just a declaration of Jesus saying, I can set you free. You don't have to do anything. I can set you free. So all you, you, just, you, you receive the freedom that I'm offering and people are going, nope, don't want to do it. And then Jesus finally describes the steps to how you become free. 
And he does it with three words, right? He does it right there. If you look in verses 31 through 32, again, the three words would be abide, word, and truth. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Abide, word, and free. Abide, word, and truth, excuse me. Abide, word, and truth. He says, look, I've come and I'm preaching to you, and I'm telling you about this freedom that I'm offering you. I'm, I'm, I'm handing it to you. Here's what you need to do. He says, you need to abide. Abide just simply means to dwell. It speaks of a position. Jesus says, you need to dwell. And he says, look, the position that you need to dwell in is my word. He says, you need to abide in my word. Now, remember, his word is also God's word, and Jesus is also God's word in the flesh. So Jesus is saying, not only abide in what I say, but abide in me as well. Right? We'll get later to John 14, where he looks at them and says, Abide in me. Right? I am the branch, you are the vines. Abide in me. So abiding means a permanence. That we stay attached and connected to Jesus. We abide in His Word. Now, the difference between the word word and the word world is one letter just you, you throw in that l and one letter difference but it makes all the difference in the world because all of those who were reluctant are not abiding in jesus they're abiding in the world they want to live and stay in the world and as long as you live and stay in the world and, and you live and do what the world says then you're not abiding in jesus and if you're not abiding in Jesus, then you don't belong to Him and you're not free. He says, you abide in Me, you abide in My Word, you, you stay in it, you remain in it, not just popping in and out of it. Okay, it's, it, it, Abide means a permanence. You don't just pop in and out. You remain in it because it is never changing. It is constant. And Jesus is telling them, hey, look, in this ever-changing world in which we live in, right? The, the world changes. One of the great truths that we know, the world changes. Another great truth that goes with it, doesn't contradict it, is, as I said earlier, nothing under the sun changes. So in this world that constantly changes, Jesus says, you have got to anchor yourself to the constancy of God's Word. Why? For it is God's Word, not the world, that guides you into truth. The world will not guide you into truth. Daytime pop psychology will not guide you into truth. I don't care what Dr. Phil says. I don't care what Oprah says. I don't care what the Christian self-help books that are shrouded in worldly pop psychology says. They will not guide you into truth. The only thing that will guide you into truth is if you remain and abide in God's Word why? Because God's Word is truth. And the truth of God's Word is going to direct you and point you to Jesus, to the Son who can set you free. The 
the remedy, and, and, and this is antithetical to the world today, for every group that we mentioned and for other groups that may, you may have thought of who, who see the obstacles to the freedom, the remedy for every one of those groups is not less exposure to God's Word, but more exposure to God's Word. For it is only God's Word that's going to guide them to truth. Right? We, we, we don't ignore what they're going through. We don't ignore the sin that, that, that they're, they're enslaved to. At the same time, we don't seek to validate them and validate their sin and go, oh, it's, it's okay. Live your truth. Can you imagine what the world would look like if 7.1 billion people decided to live their truth at one time? I don't know if the world can collapse in on itself, but I think that would be a pretty good way for it to do that. Living your truth does not set you free. What sets you free is when somebody, the person that you mentioned earlier when you were thinking about it from Psalm 89 that you thought about, comes to you and tells you about the steadfast love of God and how it endures forever and how that truth will set you free. It's not ignoring their sin. It's not validating their sin. Instead, it's confronting their sin with the truth of God's Word and saying it's God's Word through Jesus Christ that will set you free. For nothing else will. And Jesus makes that very clear. And he says, here I am. I'm standing here. I'm offering you freedom. I'm here to set you free. Here are the steps to take. Come and receive it. Because if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that's the freedom that we really need. That's the freedom that Jesus comes to offer. And in just a moment, we're going to sing Amazing Grace. Well, I believe it was Chris Tomlinson that, that added a, a, a bridge or a verse in between. Because when we know Jesus and we confess Him as Lord and Savior, we have been immediately set free and we can sing, My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. Because we have been set free indeed. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transform lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.